No matter what type of financial status, social standing, or relationship you may acquire, there will always be a certain level of contentment that simply cannot be achieved. Our soul is hungry for something that only Jesus can provide. In this series, we will uncover our deepest desires. So prepare your heart for a word from God. Well, as Pastor said, um, I'm just really, really excited to uh, to close out this series today. It has been um, it's been an incredible uh, series for me to just sit through. I've been very, very challenged, um, but uh, but I'm, I'm very, very excited about where we're going today. You can go ahead and be dismissed, Angela. Thank you um, for this last installment of. Uh, I almost just kept letting you play because it's beautiful and it would have been great the entire time, right? But. Um, for this last part, it's going to be titled uh, Sheeps and Giants. Everybody say Sheeps and Giants. Okay, I'm, hospitality table. Go ahead and open up some coffee and bring it in here because I need you guys to be on fire a little bit more this morning. But Sheeps and Giants. Um, and, and like Pastor said, you know, the, the, the bottom line, if you will, of this entire series is what we learn from our deepest desires. And I don't know about you all, but we have desires. There's things that, that we crave and things that come up within us. And sometimes we think we need to fill them in different ways. But who knows, at the end of the day, the only thing, the only one who can fill that is Jesus Christ and a relationship with God the Father through Him. But um, I want to just start off by asking some questions. And uh, please just, these are going to be rhetorical. Please don't shout out anything. We always are streaming our services live. So don't be shouting out anything in here unless you want to shout amen when I'm preaching, and I'll appreciate that. But um, I'm going to ask some questions. If you've ever asked yourself these questions, then this message is for you. And if you haven't asked yourself these questions, this message is still for you. I want to go and assure you of that. But why is God blessing everyone but me? Right? Why does it seem like, I mean, do you ever thought that? Why does it seem like everyone around me is, I don't know, they're doing better than I am? I don't know, it just seems like that sometimes. Right? If you ever ask yourself that question, we're going to dig into that a little bit today. Or am I the only one who is struggling to wait on God? I don't know about you, but um, waiting on God can be incredibly difficult from time to time. Right? There are times when we find ourselves in seasons of life where it's like, is God moving? Is God, are you here? Or can you hear me? If, you ever, if you've ever asked yourself that question, then um, I know that this, this message will relate to you or You've asked yourself this question, can God use me in spite of the mistakes I've made? Basically, can God use me in spite of me? If you've asked yourself that question, well, you're in good company. I promise you. I promise you that much. Because as I stand here before you today, I am, I am an example of the grace of God. Nothing I've done, nothing I've accomplished. I stand here before you today because of the grace and the kindness of our Father. But just, you know, kind of think on those questions for, for a bit, and um, we're going to kind of get into a little bit of the message. But the first part of this I want to, uh, to introduce will be uh, sheeps. Think about sheeps, okay? And we are going to be focusing on a character in Scripture today that is very, very well known. Um, maybe you have been following Christ for a very long time, or maybe, I don't know, maybe you're brand new in your faith, or you're, you're still asking questions like, who is Jesus? I'm not sure about Jesus, but... I'm sure everyone or a lot of people have heard the name David, right? King David, of course. So we are going to talk about him, but I just want to share some really interesting facts. Um, David is the second most men mentioned person in Scripture. Behind Jesus, there's more said about David than anyone else in Scripture, which is incredible. Um, David is the only one to be given the title of man after God's own heart. 
which is absolutely incredible as well. Which I'm going to ask that question in a bit of like, what does that really even mean? It's it, it, it really, it, it's, sort of a, it's sort of a question that I've asked myself for a long time. Like, God, what, what exactly does that mean? But I feel like there's a lot we can learn from his life as we study it, as we look farther into it. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to go to 1 Samuel. We're going to be... Uh, we're going to be learning from first, mainly from 1 Samuel 16 today. I'm going to set that up a little bit in context. Basically, um, the first few verses, Samuel has been appointed by God to go out and, and basically crown or anoint the next king of Israel. Um, at this current time, uh, Saul was king of Israel. But basically, he had just been disobedient, um, uh, very disobedient. And, and, and God had basically um, already set in motion to remove him as king and, and basically appointed Samuel to go and pick the next king of Israel. So we're going to pick up in 1 Samuel 16 as Samuel was heading out. This is verse 4. It says, Samuel did what the Lord directed and went to Bethlehem. I always find this interesting because David is like a type of Christ in the Bible. You will find, you will find in the Old Testament especially, and 1 Samuel was in the Old Testament, um, you know, types of Christ. For instance, Moses was a type of Christ. right? Moses, Joshua was a type of Christ. But um, David was definitely a type of Christ. And I found it so interesting that, that David lived in Bethlehem. And we know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. It's just incredible. Sometimes those simple little things are just you know, really good to hang on to and know. But it says, when the elders of the town met him, they trembled. And asked, do you come in peace? Next. In peace, he replied. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves, which basically means to set yourself apart, and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Next verse. Now listen, I, you know, I, told, I told 930, but when you, especially in the Old Testament, sometimes you come across some words, and I don't know if you like me, but sometimes some of them are hard to pronounce, so you hear me just go, then that's how it is pronounced, I promise you. So I need y'all to lighten up in here and... and Work with me a little bit, all right? When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and said, Certainly the Lord's anointed one is here before him. Verse 7. This is very, very important. Let's hang on to this today. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or stature, because I have rejected him. Man does not see what the Lord sees, for man sees what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. I don't know about you all. Just hang me right there. I don't know about you all, but... You know, as we meet people and interact, you know, obviously the first thing we see is their appearance and you know, we get to you know, feel them out a little bit. You know, it sort of reminds me of this day and age, our, our social media presence, right? So I'm not hating on social media. I think it's great. It can be used for a great platform. But if you scroll through most people's news feeds or whatever, you're going to find basically what looks like a perfect life almost, right? Just great pictures. They got sweet filters on them and everything just looks great. Everybody's smiling and everything looks just so great. Right? But how many of you know that sometimes we can put off an image that everything is fine when it's really not okay? Well, I want you to know today, I don't know where you are spiritually, physically, emotionally. Maybe you're watching online. I don't know where you are right now. Maybe you're driving down the road and you hear this podcast a month or two later. Or maybe you're watching from a different continent. But I want you to know that the Lord sees exactly where you are right now. He can peer into parts of you that you and I cannot see. And He can move and He can speak to those parts. He sees our heart. And you see, that day, that day, people were, the, the, the people there, Samuel was looking for a person. God was looking for a heart. God was looking for a heart. 
Take me on to verse 8, please. All right, we're, we're starting to get into some of those words I was talking about. Jesse called Abinadab and said, I'm kidding, I know it. Abinadab, and presented him to Samuel. The Lord hasn't chosen this one either, Samuel said. Verse 9. Then Jesse presented Shammah. But Samuel said, the Lord hasn't chosen this one either. So we're just going down the line, right? Not this one, not this one. We're going to continue on. And Jesse presented seven of his sons to him. Samuel told Jesse, the Lord hasn't chosen any of these. Verse 11. Samuel asked him, are these all the sons you have? Basically, are you hiding some, Jesse? I mean, is there somebody I don't know about? Because I came here for a reason. The Lord sent me here and I'm not seeing him. Where is he at? So yes, Jesse basically was hiding one up, had one working. There is still the youngest, he answered, where right now he's tending the sheep. Just something interesting to know because numerology is very important. It's just basically the, the study or the you know, numbers throughout Scripture, numbers, uh, colors. Uh, there's a lot of things in Scripture, little nuances that are very important. Okay, so seven is the number per, for perfection in the Bible, but eight is the number for new beginnings. There was an eighth son, right? But right now he's tending the sheep. Samuel told Jesse, send for him. He won't sit down to eat until, we won't sit down to eat until he gets here. Verse 12. So Jesse sent for him. He had beautiful eyes and a healthy, handsome appearance. If you need a visual of that, feel free to look at me today. <laughs> and that's fine. You, you can, yeah, just beautiful eyes. I mean, it's gorgeous. <laughs> Gorgeous eyes and a healthy, handsome appearance. Then the Lord said, anoint him for he is the one. Next verse. So Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord took control of David from that day forward. Let me just teach something really quickly. In the Old Testament, the spirit of the Lord would, well, let me back up and say this first. If you are in Christ, if you've committed your life to following Him, then we know from the, from the New Covenant, the New Covenant, rather, that upon believing that Christ is who He says He is, that He's done what He says He's done, a promise of salvation is that the Holy Spirit would come and dwell within us, right? The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in you today if you've committed your life to following Christ. And that should excite somebody. He'll never leave us, never forsake us. But in the Old Testament, that was not so. The Spirit of the Lord would, would move from person to person or place to place. So that would, that's what that means when it, when it talks about that it, the Spirit of the Lord took control of David from that day forward. Then Samuel set out and went to Ramah. So basically, we could just go ahead and wrap the story up, right? You know, David was anointed king. He probably took over the next day, right? Maybe, I don't know, next month, something like that. It wouldn't have taken long. There's something, and maybe you all know this about Scripture, maybe you don't. But I want to talk to you about a concept. David had to wait from this point 15 years to step into his position on the throne as king over Israel. 15 years. I'll be honest with you, sometimes I pray and have a tough time waiting 15 minutes. David was faithful and waited 15 years. I want to talk to you about this idea of the wait. The wait. And that's why I ask that question. You know, sometimes I'm not the only one that's struggling to wait on God. I don't know. I mean, I've, I look like I've got it together, but really I'm struggling and I'm really pursuing God, but I don't know if He's answering me right now. 
I want to give you a couple things to, to maybe hang on to. If this resonates with you, I know it did with me, and I pray it does with you. Go ahead and bring up the next slide. We must be patient in order to see the promises of God. Patience is important, you all. Patience. Listen, God is sovereign. He can do and will do whatever He wants to do. But sometimes there is a, a, a season or a process where we have to be patient. We must be. It also brought this thought up to me as well. In order to fully experience the next season of life, we must be faithful in our current one. Notice I did not say the word just, you know, in order to experience. I said fully experience. Let me give you this thought today. If you're out there, or maybe you're watching online and you're thinking to yourself, you know, God, I just, I don't, I, I, you know, I want this new job or, I, you know, I'd love to have this new thing or, or whatever. God cares about everything that's going on in your life, okay? He does. He cares about every single aspect of your life. But let me tell you this. If we're not being faithful with what, with what we already have, please don't expect God to just dump more and more on you. For instance, I want to reach the world and I want to spread the gospel to so many people. Well, amen, we all should want to do that. But what are you doing with the people you have right around you? How about your family? How about your closest friends? Are we sharing the gospel with them? Are we walking with them the way Jesus walked with His disciples? We can. We absolutely can. There's a little bit I want to talk to you for the next few minutes. and We talked about sheeps, and now I want to talk about giants. Everybody say giants with me. Look at your neighbor and say giants. Maybe they're a giant. I don't know. Giants. So listen, a very, very well-known um, part of Scripture that, uh, that David would go on to, to fight many you know, mighty battles and, and would slay a very well-known person by the name of... All my churchy people got it. Been hearing that story since they were knee-high to a grasshopper, right? We're going to read a little bit about that. And really, I just want to read... I want to, it's the very next chapter in 1 Samuel. But I just want to set up kind of the story of where it's going. See... David understood, he, he understood one thing. He understood authority, but he also understood to, to basically be faithful in whatever season he was in. David was still tending sheep. Now think about this, right? Samuel has come, he's come to Bethlehem, and he has anointed David. David has been the eighth son, he's been picked, he's been anointed to be king. Okay, well then you wake up the next day and still tending sheep. Still tending sheep the next day, just kind of doing my thing. Not much going on. I mean, imagine what that would have done to his mind. A little bit into 1 Samuel 17, chapter 17, uh, Jesse, David's father, had given him basically just a, you know, a simple, uh, simple chore to do. He was going to run some food um, to, the, to the battlefield. At this time, um, Israel w- was at war, and he was going to run some food to the battlefield. And In the Bible, I love it, it says that, that he was taking bread and cheese to the battlefield. So you have yourself... Your first pizza delivery man. We're talking pizza delivery BC, okay? He's, he's delivering pizza out to the battlefield, just doing what he's supposed to be doing, what he's called to do. And what had, what had transpired up to this point was there was a massive, massive guy. I mean, I'm talking, this joker was about 10 feet tall, and he's coming to the battle lines every day just mocking and mocking and basically saying, send your best out to fight me. Israelites were scared 
They saw the guy, I mean, just, just trembled and backed away. I mean, just imagine like a 10-foot dude out wanting to fight you, and it's like, no, nah, I think I'll be okay on that. Well, David is, is running this food to the battle line, and basically here's Goliath. Goliath had been coming to the battle line every day, and it says for 40 days. And just another interesting fact, 40 is the, the biblical number for testing. So he had been coming, this was, this was a test, and David was being put into the fire, but he came to the, to the, uh, to the battlefield and heard Goliath basically saying the same things over and over again, like, who wants to fight me? And, and David, because see, here's, here, here's what we must know about David. He knew who he was in the Lord. His faith was in God. It was not in man, it was in God. And we're going to read a little bit more, a little bit later on, and learn a little bit, a little bit more about how David had some moral failings, and he didn't always um, do what we would think would be right. But he, listen, David loved the Lord, and he trusted the Lord. But he comes to this place in the battlefield and basically says, "I'll take him on. I'll do it, God." And maybe you're out there today, you know, you are desiring more, maybe asking, you know, God, use me, pick me, because I want to go. I will fill in the gap. That was David that day. So he comes against Goliath. And I want to read one verse from 1 Samuel. It's 17.45. Go ahead and pull that up. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with a dagger, spear, and sword, but I come against you in the name of Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel's armies. You have defied him. Listen, I want to speak some life into someone today. You have some Goliaths in your life. Maybe it's financial problems. Maybe it's relational problems. I don't know exactly. Maybe it's a problem with the job. You have some Goliaths. But what you must understand is you must come against that in the name of Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel's armies. You're not coming against that against your, by yourself. You're coming against that in the name of Yahweh of hosts. This particular verse here just stirred in me and it brought up a thought of it's more about who we're fighting for than what we're fighting against. Can we be real in here for a moment and say that we go through things? Life throws us curveballs. Let's not kid ourselves and act like everything is perfect all the time. It is not. It is not. I'll speak to the ones that are in Christ today. You know that you've committed your life to following Him, but that does not mean that you will be absent of any trials. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, in this world you will face trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. I should excite somebody today. If I'm preaching, amen me back, somebody, because I feel like I'm preaching way better than you guys are amening right now. But it's more about who we're fighting for than what we're fighting against. Listen, it, it is impossible, at least in my mind, in a few short minutes with you all to share everything about David. So much to his life. So much. But if there is one thing, and it, maybe it's not always the most pleasant thing to read in Scripture, if there is one thing that we can learn about some mistakes that he made, we think about the story of Bathsheba, right? About how you have David on the throne, right? You read and you pick it up in 2 Samuel where where basically the, the armies were at war. So that would have meant the kings were as well, but David was not at war. He was not where he should have been. And sometimes not being where you should be can get you into a whole lot of trouble. It can. But it basically, you know, it talks about how all the armies were at war and David was not where he was supposed to be. And 
David's just walking out on the roof and happens to see a, a beautiful woman. Scripture describes her as being very fair, very beautiful. That's bathing on the roof. And David knew this woman. He, he knew her husband well. And he requested his men to, to basically go get her and bring her to me. Now listen, I, we're, we're about to talk about the birds and the bees in, in church. Is that okay? Okay. Just making sure no churchy people are going to get mad at me or anything. Listen, he, he brings her back and he commits what we would surmise is a terrible act, right? David commits adultery with her. And not only that, but he takes it a little bit further. He gets Uriah brought back and, and basically plots his death for him. We're talking about premeditated murder. I'm speaking to someone today. I know I am. You may go ahead. Raise those hands. Praise the Lord in here. But he has this man murdered. Uriah and sends him out to battle and puts him on the front line. Now listen, I don't know about you. I, listen, I'm just going to be honest with you and transparent. I've read that, that story. I've come across that scripture before and thought to myself, David, how could you? Like David, like the Lord had anointed you. The Lord had called you and put you in a position. How in the world could you do that? Let me just be honest today. Jesus says in the New Testament, He brings, he brings more accountability to us and says, you know what? If you looked after a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery in your heart. Hello, somebody out there. If you say you hate your brother or sister, you have murdered them in your heart. You don't always have to do something to do it. That's what he's saying. But I'm so thankful for grace. But when I look at the life of David, here's one thing I do know. Here's one thing I know for sure. This man wrote over half the Psalms. He would sing to the Lord. And if you go to many of those Psalms, it's when he's distressed. He's in the caves. He's running from Saul. Saul's trying to kill him. All these things are going on, but that man knew how to praise God in the valley and on the mountaintop. We have to be there, everyone. We have to. We have to understand that, you know, oh God, I'll take your free will whenever everything's going well and I want to do what I want to do, but as soon as things get bad, oh, where are you now, God? No, David understood that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I will praise the one who has saved my soul. I will praise the one who has delivered me out of the hand of my enemies. See, David hungered deep in his soul for God and God alone. And he was called a man after my own heart. And when I read the story about what David had done, I thought, that's crazy. I mean, God, you call him a man after your own heart. Like, but he did this. You get home today. Read Psalm 51. See, this is what, in my opinion, set David apart. When David was, was basically this was brought to his attention, what he had done. Mind you, if you read in Scripture, David did what he did with Bathsheba and, and then killed Uriah and then continued just to walk on like everything was normal. It took a prophet. It took someone coming in his life named Nathan to basically tell him a parable. And then David understood and then repented, was sorrowful. Listen, don't let me tell somebody out here today, don't despise the one in your life that is holding you accountable for things you're doing. If you've got a brother or sister in Christ that is holding you accountable... Please take it. Open or welcome that in your life. It is an amazing thing. But David said, Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. In Psalm 51, David knew it wasn't, it wasn't God's fault. No one made me do this. God, I have sinned against you. And he repented and turned away of that. 
Listen, if there's a, well, not if there, there is. There's a bottom line. If there's a, a basically a sermon in a sentence that I could pull out of all this, it's that God uses imperfect people to accomplish His perfect will. Before you stands an imperfect man. But I'll tell you this, I am seated with Christ in heavenly places today. I haven't inherited the kingdom of God through His finished work on the cross. And I am thankful for that. This should be good news to each and every person that's out here today. It should be good news to you watching online. It should be good news to the person that listens to this podcast two weeks from now. That God uses imperfect people to accomplish His perfect will. I'm going to need you to get fired up with me. Stand up with me really quick. We are going to go back into a time of worship. But listen, just, just hold on to that promise today. Hold on to that promise that God does. He uses imperfect people. He is using us. He has a beautiful plan and we have a part in that. We're going to go to God and worship, but I want you to know this today, that Jesus said in the New Testament, He said that blessed, or blessed, if you're churchy a little bit, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they might be filled. Does somebody catch me there? No, it says they will be filled. So if your soul hungers today for for righteousness, and if it thirsts for that, you will be filled. The only thing that will ever satisfy our deepest desires in our souls is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is it. That is it. How many times have we chased things and we've gotten things just to want more things, right? We just want more and more and more. Today, Jesus is saying, I'm all you need. You drink from this water, you'll never thirst again. Just pray with me really quick. Holy Spirit, we we just thank you, Lord, for for what you're doing in this place today. Thank you that, that you are moving, you are changing hearts. We're going to go to you and worship and and say that, God, you are able to accomplish in us amazing things. Lord, I pray that you would just draw us back to yourself and help us to understand that you and you alone are all that we need. We worship you today. Would you do something new in our heart now? Lord, help us to move past complacency, and staying in the same spot. Lord, help us to realize that today is not just another day, but it's a day that you've made, and it's a day where you can do something brand new in our lives. We lift you up today. We lift you up and we worship you. As we enter into song, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would just fill this place and have your way with your people. You are such a good, good God. You have been so kind to us, and we love you. In Jesus' name. If you would, church, we're going to go back into a time of worship. Just sing as we lift up the Lord and know this that God will use you. God is using you. He will use imperfect people to accomplish His perfect will. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to stay connected with everything that's happening at City Lights, then be sure and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and also by subscribing to our YouTube channel.